Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 79, where we're talking about the winners of the 2019 Reading Women Award. And as always, you can find a complete transcript of this episode, as well as a list of all the books we mentioned today linked in our show notes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Before we get into the winners, we have a special announcement. Uh, The 2020 Reading Women Challenge is live, so you can go to our website, or which is linked in the show notes, and check out the brand new 2020 challenge. Pretty excited. It is such a great challenge this year, and so many of you have been asking about it, when it was going to be announced, and when we were going to get it ready, and we just wanted to make sure that this year's list was as good as, if not better than last year. So yeah, it's finally ready to go. And for fans of the podcast, you might remember that last year's challenge included a lot of Easter eggs as to what our themes were going to be in that year. So this year is no different. We've have some Easter eggs of what kind of themes we're going to be looking at in 2020. Also, a lot of the challenges are inspired by our co-hosts and contributors. And as Kendra mentioned, this will be on our website. So that's readingwomenpodcast.com. And definitely check it out. There were a lot of questions we had over the year last year. And as people asked, we updated the official Reading Women Challenge page there. So that way it was an easy, quick reference for everyone to just check and get their questions answered. So be sure to check that regularly as you're completing the challenge because we will be having updated information there, answering questions or clarifying things. So definitely a great resource. And we also have a Reading Women uh, group on Goodreads, and you can actually track your own challenge via Goodreads. There's like a tracker in the group. There's also message boards for each of the challenges for recommendations. And also there is a entire folder for your personal challenge. So you can start a discussion about your own challenge, keep track of ideas there, ask questions. All of the things are there. Uh, So definitely go check it out. And we'll be back with more of this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. The sponsor of this episode is our Etsy store. We are back with a brand new t-shirt campaign. So if you missed out the last time we sold the Reading Women t-shirts, now is your chance to snag one. They have Reclaim Half the Bookshelf, our tagline on them with our secondary logo, and they are glorious. I love mine. It's very soft, and it comes in blue or gray in a wide range of sizes, and I, I love the fit. They're like a fitted unisex tee, which I think is just perfect. And we are running that campaign in collaboration with Bonfire, and they've been great partners with us, and our last campaign was so successful that we decided to do it again. Additionally, we are also having a sale right now on our hardback blind book dates. So they are currently 20% off. And I know that we have like a really good stash of books right now. Yes. So you can get 20% off our hardback book blind dates with holiday date 20. That will be linked in our show notes with the code as well. But that is holiday date 20. The last new thing that we have in our store is our brand new tote bags. They are navy, they are sturdy, they are glorious. They are ready to go with you book shopping or to the library. They have these little flat bottoms that they stand up on their own so they uh, don't fall over all the time. Uh, They are wonderful. I carry mine around everywhere and I always bring a ridiculous number of books with me wherever I go. Like 
most of us do, I feel like, if you are book obsessed. Uh, So they are lovely and they are in our store as well. So I guess now it's time to announce the winners. Yeah, so let's go through the shortlist of this year's Reading Women Award for Nonfiction titles. So we have The Collected Schizophrenias by Esme Weijin Wang, and this is out from Grey Wolf. Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls by T. Kira Madden, published by Bloomsbury. Thick and Other Essays by Trustee McMillan Cottom, this is out from New, The New Press. Good Talk by Mira Jacob, published by One World. I'm Telling the Truth, But I'm Lying by Bossy Ickby from Harper Perennial. And My Time Among the Whites, Notes from an Unfinished Education by Janine Capo-Cruset, and this is out from Picador. This is an amazing group of uh, women writers, so many different essays and memoirs. Uh, it's a, been a great reading year. So without further ado, the nonfiction winner for this year's Reading Women Award is Thick and Other Essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom and published by The New Press. Woo! Fanfare. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, so this was one of my favorite interviews of the year, too, which you know, you shouldn't have a favorite child and you shouldn't have a favorite <laughs> interview. But her us talking to her was just such a delight like she's a smart woman like I think we hung up the phone and we're like wow we don't we don't know anything <laughs> in a good and so yeah definitely go back and listen to that interview with her um just all kinds of truth bombs all over the place it's it's amazing and we had our transcript editor go back and do a transcript of this interview because this we actually recorded before we were doing transcripts. So we wanted to make sure that everyone would be able to read this interview or listen to the interview or whatever. Definitely go check that out. That will be linked in the show notes uh, because, yeah, it, it was a fabulous interview. So Thick, just to kind of summarize it, Thick is an essay collection and Tressie talks about a whole wide range of things in this essay collection. One of the big themes of the book that we talked about when we talked to her, too, was not just about what it's like to be a black woman moving and living in the world, but in her case in particular, being uh, academic and trying to find her voice and trying to be heard by people in academia, which is a, as we all know, academia is a place that has historically been very, very white, very, very, very male. Yeah, and I really appreciated how she really set the tone for the collection in her title essay, Thick. And she says that uh, in the essay, uh, being too much of one thing and not enough of another had been a recurring theme in my life. I was, like many young women, expected to be small so that boys could expand and white girls could shine. I wanted to create something meaningful that sounded not only like me, but like all of me. It too was thick. That essay just really put in perspective the rest of the collection and where she was coming from, wanting to be able to include herself, who is a woman and who is a black woman in particular, and what her experience has been like. I think that I thought before I read this essay collection that it would 
I think I assumed that like the scope of the essays would be mostly centered around body image and things like that. And she does talk about that a lot, but how she defines thick in this first essay is just, as Kendra just said, like really it, it sets the tone for everything else. And she kind of explains all the different ways that, that she is thick or that her experience is thick or what she means when she says thick. And I think that it's just, it's the perfect way to start out this collection. One of the things that I love about this book is how she just is her range is just so wide she writes about all of the things and again I'm just blown away by the way that she is so articulate in the way that she talks about these different essays and sorry if you can hear pages I have the book here with me one of the essays that I loved in particular is in the name of beauty where she talks about beauty standards in our western Uh, white dominated culture and how she fits into that as a black woman. And she says that whiteness is a violent sociocultural regime legitimized by property to always make clear who is black by fastidiously delineating who is officially white. It would stand to reason that beauty's ultimate function is to exclude blackness. And when I read these, I had never heard that concept put into words before, but she's able to break it down for you and just be very honest and open and like, this is an issue in such a, I don't know, articulate way. Her writing is just fabulous. Yeah. And I think for me too, the thing that I really appreciate about this book and part of the reason that I think it's stuck in our minds so much throughout the year, despite the other things that we read, it was just so refreshing for us to read an unapologetically academic, intelligent, thoughtful woman and just to have her articulate things. Um, her writing style is, it's so approachable. So like, it's not like you're picking up Ulysses or something like that. Like it's such an approachable essay collection, but it's also like, I, I think we underlined like every single line in the book at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I ever meet her, there's so many tabs and I always have the awkward moment when I hand an author a book that I've tabbed like yes I really love this can you tell by the rainbow tabs um but that's because I was flipping through this and I do have underlines almost on like every other page because she has so many important things to say that she says so well and so clearly and that's throughout the entire collection she talks about um at the end of this essay uh, kind of summarizing her experience of being a thick woman, of being a black woman in a society that holds white women as the ideal beauty standard. And at the end, I just wanted to read this one section because I feel like it really, it just hits it home more so if if possible. She says, when beauty is white and I am dark, it means that I am more likely to be punished in school to receive higher sentences for crimes, less likely to marry, and less likely to marry someone with equal or higher economic status. Denying these empirical realities is its own kind of violence, even when our intentions are good. They say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and that ugly is as ugly does. Both are lies. Ugly is everything done to you in the name of beauty. Knowing the difference is part of getting free. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's such a great way to end kind of our discussion of this book because she, t- I think that what she says about beauty standards is 
is really important. And some of the things we talked about in the interview, you know, things like, you know, Marilyn Monroe is a size 12 or how she talks about Miley Cyrus as well and things like that. And so she kind of unpacks like these things that we just assume as default. And um, yeah, it's so thought provoking. And I still think about things that she said in her essays even now. Yeah. And some of her other essays include looking at black women's experience of the medical industry here in the United States, about how she lost a baby due to the lack of care that she received. Uh, Also, Girlhood Interrupted, which is an essay title. But in that essay, she talks about the early sexualization of young black girls and how patriarchy determines that when these young girls are quote unquote ready, which is a really disgusting kind of concept, but also that being black girls, they're sexualized earlier than than white girls. And she just tackles that uh, head on and a really eloquent essay. And I feel like we keep using these terms like it is so well written and clear and we cannot emphasize that enough, which is one of the reasons why we chose this as the winner for this year's nonfiction prize. The nonfiction winner of this year's Reading Women Award is Thick and other essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom, published by The New Press. And we'll be back with more of this episode of Reading Women after a word from our sponsor. The sponsor of this episode is Sidetrack. Sidetrack is a USB portable monitor that attaches to the back of your laptop for a more productive workday wherever you're working from, whether it be home, the office, coffee shop, or all of the above, your sidetrack is there for you. Uh, You can have two screens and any of you who work with spreadsheets or documents that you have to fill out knows how tedious it can be when you're trying to pull up the information you need to put in the spreadsheet in one tab and you have to like flip over to a different tab to put it in there and then you forget what you're supposed to be putting in there anyway. Two screens makes that so much easier. I use this screen all the time when I'm putting books from Goodreads, their information of new book releases over into my new book releases spreadsheet. And that has made my work life so much easier. It definitely is a game changer. What's also cool about Sidetrack is it can mirror your screens and rotate 180 degrees for convenient collaboration, presentations, demos, and more, which is so cool. I, I cannot wait to use that feature in my next presentation. Sidetrack also attaches to your laptop with these metal plates, so you can actually take it off your laptop if you want and run around if you need to just grab your laptop and go. And I really love that feature so that you can determine what is the best for your laptop and your work experience. So if you would like 10% off a Sidetrack USB monitor, visit sidetrack.com slash discount slash reading women for 10% off. That's sidetrack, S-I-D-E-T-R-A-K.com slash discount slash reading women for 10% off. And of course, all of their information, including a link with this discount will be in our show notes. And thanks to Sidetrack for sponsoring this episode of Reading Women. And now it's time to talk about the winner for the Fiction Reading Win Award. So first off is Women Talking by Miriam Taves out by Bloomsbury Publishing. The Old Drift by Namwali Serpel uh, out from Hogarth. The Lost Children Archive by Valeria Luiselli, published by Knopf. Uh, Cantoras by Carolina de Robertis out from Knopf as well. Red at the Bone by Jacqueline Woodson out from Riverhead. 
Frankenstein by Jeanette Winterson, published by Grove Press. And the winner of this year's Fiction Reading Win Award is Cantoras by Carolina de Robertes, published by Knopf. Oh my, this book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All the... All of the people were cheering in my head as we were announcing that because as soon as we read this book, we knew it was special and we knew that it covered something that we hadn't seen in a book before and we were terrified we would give away who the winner was early. (laughs) Yeah, so, and we also got to talk to Carolina about this book as well, so be sure and go back into our archives or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts and find that interview because she really unpacks the story um, and there's no spoilers. So if you want to listen to it before you read, um, it won't give anything away, but she really unpacks the story in a way that really deepened our understanding of it. And she's just a delightful person and we love talking to her. Yeah. And Again, we're not supposed to have favorites, but she was definitely one of my favorites this year <laughs> to talk to because she's such a lovely and gracious person. So we want to talk a little bit about this book and what, why we love this book and what about it stood out to us. And I think the number one thing is that this book is about women. Yes. And that might sound weird because this podcast is called Reading Women. And so in the last couple of years, we've read a lot of books by and about women. And yet this was one of the first books that I've ever read where it was really only women. There's like no love interest on the side who's a guy or like some powerful man somewhere or whatever. This was truly only about women and the relationships between women. And it was just such an a startling thing to read because as I was reading it, I realized I personally hadn't read anything like that before. And it's also a celebration, not just about women and their difficulties, but also their joys and the things that uh, make life worth living and uh, a celebration of that and all of its different facets, whether it be uh, a relationship, whether it be sexual or romantic or just, you know, platonic friendship or all of the above, uh, you have these women, these five women, queer women in Uruguay making a place for themselves. And to be able to see those relationships uh, over the course of time through the 70s, 80s, and and beyond uh, was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Absolutely. And I think that the, the way that she weaves together the stories of these women's lives is just, I, I think the word we kept saying over and over and over again when we talked to her was just beautiful and stunning. <laughs> and um, Because the way that she kind of, builds on these women's relationships with each other and as they change and as they age it's just really something beautiful because you're with them in the high points and in the low points and while they're making these really hard decisions and while they're living on the outskirts of society and things like that and there really aren't words for it And one of the great things about this book as well is the wide range of queer representation. There are queer women across the spectrum of expression and preferences and and all these different things. And, you know, it's so rare to see a queer woman main character. But in this book, there are five. And they're all different, but they're all fully fleshed out characters. And that was just something 
refreshing to see on the page as opposed to, I, I feel like sometimes when you do see queer women on the page, it's almost like they're fighting to be there, but this is more of a celebration and a, a joy to see them be who they are. Definitely. And I, I think this is a book that definitely is, it, it doesn't feel, it feels so natural in the sense of like, oh yeah, of course this is how this book goes, or of course it would be this way. And it's also, I think, extra interesting because Carolina mentioned that she actually interviewed some queer women living in Uruguay around that time and kind of got their stories and was able to weave in their stories as well. So I think that that's something really special as well. Yeah, and it was really interesting to hear her describe the title, Cantoras, which means female singer, and how that was the word that they would use. Oh, is she a cantoras? Does she sing? And uh, it really just made sense, and it really put that in perspective, because I think living in America, we are very focused on our own history in general. But um, when it comes to queer history, we're also focused oftentimes on America. But this is a queer space in Uruguay during the 70s and 80s, during a dictatorship, and what that looked like and how they were still there and how they were still living a life the way that they could and how they made a space for themselves in that kind of situation. And one of the things we talked to... And one of the things that we talked about in the interview was about found families and how these women really created their own community and their own families where they would go to all of these important life events with each other and how they really saw each other as family. And I think that that was such a a moving and emotional part of the book as well, because there's all kinds of people in all different places in life who are choosing found families or who have developed found families. And just to see that kind of representation on the page as well was just really incredible to see. Yeah. And I feel like with each of the characters, they made up different parts of that family. And like we mentioned earlier, they're all very different, but, and one of the things that Carolina mentioned that she wanted to do was that the different families uh, responded differently to the different women in their family's queerness. So you have the whole range of spectrum of their like born into biological families, but then you also have these found families and the dynamics between the two and the differences that were there. I really appreciated how she pointed out basically with these five very different women that a queer woman's experiences are all different, but they're still queer women. And I feel like there's been a lot of discussion about what it means to be a good queer women or, or how is the right way to do these things. But there isn't a singular right way, just as illustrated with these five very different women. And that's something that I definitely appreciated. Yeah. And I really think that that what you just mentioned right there was, is something that really stood out to me too, is like, I think that this is definitely a narrative where it shows that there isn't just one way to be something, whatever it happens to be for any of these women. And just to see all of that together on the page and for it to not just like make sense stylistically, but for it to just keep such a tight plot and still have such a great payoff, I think was just from a writing and from a structure perspective, just something really amazing to experience. Yeah. So overall, this is a very, very special book and we couldn't be more thrilled that it's now part of our Reading Women Award family, both of these books. Uh, So that is Cantoras by Carolina de Robertis, and that is out from Knopf. 
And so that is it for this year's Reading Women Award winners. You can find Sealed, Reading Women Award Seals in our Etsy store. And so you can head over there. That will be linked in our show notes and get seals for your copies of Cantoras or Thick. And we are more than happy to send you those. A little program note at the, this is the end of our fourth, wow, fourth season. And we will have one extra episode that I've arranged because I wanted to be really nerdy and talk about goals and reading goals and charts and things. But this is the last regular episode that of the season. So we will end, uh, next week will be our last episode and then we'll take a break until the middle of January so we can spend uh, the holidays with our families. And then also another program note is that this is the last episode of the Reading Women I will be on for a while. It has been a wonderful four years, but there are some other things that I'm going to need to focus my attention on right now. But um, I'm very thankful for all of you for listening and for all of the support that you've shown us over the years. And be sure to tune in in January for a brand new season and a lot of great new reads. So that is our show. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review in your podcast app of choice. And thanks to all of you who have already done that. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible and who we are forever grateful for, uh, for making our transcripts available. And if you are looking for a transcript of any of our recent episodes, uh, head over to our website uh, to subscribe to our newsletter or to learn more about becoming one of our patrons, visit us at readingwomenpodcast.com. Also, be sure to join us next time where Kendra will be interviewing a surprise guest about 2020 reading goals, challenges, and tracking methods. And meanwhile, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women and as Kendra mentioned at readingwomenpodcast.com. Thank you all so much for listening. 